What's it take for women to survive in the cutthroat world of entrepreneurship today? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. In our last episode, we looked at the role of the entrepreneur in society and business, but we mostly talked about men, because they're the ones who have dominated that world up to now. More and more, though, women are setting forth to launch new businesses and foster innovation. In fact, my guest today believes that women will be responsible for the next wave of prosperity in the U.S. I'm talking with Felina Hansen, a longtime entrepreneur and marketing expert. She's the founder of Hera Hub, a shared workspace and community for like-minded women with six locations around the world and growing. The author of Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business. She'll tell us about what it's like to be a female entrepreneur today, what barriers women face in the tech-heavy bro culture, and how women are drawing on their own particular talents to succeed in the business world. So here is my conversation with Felina Hansen. Felina Hansen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about your journey and your founding of Hera Hub. How did this come about? Yeah, so in 2010, I had been running a small marketing strategy business working for myself for about eight years and really enjoyed being an entrepreneur, um, had come out of a sort of startup scene, if you will, faced three layoffs by the age of 30, two companies sold and one ran out of money. And so was very happy to be in control of my own destiny, so to speak, as an entrepreneur. But I found myself isolated over the years, really loved working out of my home for the convenience and cost effectiveness, but missed having colleagues and a sense of community, so to speak, that one can get in working in an office. And so I went and sought workspace options for myself. And long story short, didn't find anything that really fit what I was looking for. So I went and created it. It's interesting. It's described here as a spa-inspired shared workspace. What does that mean? (laughs) Absolutely. So it is a co-working space, and that term has become pretty well-known, especially in cities like San Francisco. There are lots and lots of co-working spaces, and co-working spaces that really grew out of mostly the technology sector, folks that were working independently, maybe web developers or designers, would come together in a space and, and have the opportunity to work independently, but also have that collaboration opportunity. So there's lots of great spaces around the country, around the globe. This idea of co-working space has really taken off, and especially so in the last six years that I've had the business. But what I identified, Bob, was a gap in the market in that a lot of spaces were either focused on that tech crowd that I mentioned and inherently ended up having a bit of a younger demographic 
a very male demographic, kind of the programmer culture is what some folks call it. Ping pong tables and beer kegs and a real nice frat house in some cases, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum is kind of that old school executive suite, Regis type model, which just wasn't attractive to me in my business. I really was seeking that sense of community. So I've built now, we'll be opening our sixth location here very shortly in Stockholm, Sweden. So I've built locations in Southern California, Phoenix, Washington, D.C. These spaces are beautiful. You walk in and there's running water and nice lighting and beautiful plants and art. Um, They're just very welcoming environments, very zen, but also very productive, as we like to say. And so the spa inspired doesn't mean we're giving chair massages on a daily basis. It just means taking the environment of a spa-like environment and applying it to a workspace. How many people can you accommodate at a time in each location? Our members are primarily utilizing the space on a very flexible basis. And that's kind of the way of the world now. Folks want to be able to work where they want, when they want, how they want. There's a lot more flexibility just given the world of technology we live in, of course. So our members oftentimes are coming in just a day or two a week to utilize the space, maybe even just a few hours at a time. They're not tied to a desk, if you will. So each of our locations has between about 100 and 150 members. But on any given day, we would have anywhere from 10 to 20 people there at the same time. And what kind of initiatives or businesses are they pursuing in general? By and large, our members are solopreneurs. We have a lot of folks that are professional service providers, such as folks in finance, marketing, a lot of attorneys. These are individuals that are not trying to build the next Airbnb, if you will, the next technology platform. They are taking their experience, perhaps in a corporate environment, and applying that into more of a freelance or consultancy or solopreneur type business. And they're really looking for that sense of community because they are, by and large, doing it by themselves. But based on your own experience, and I'm sure the people, the other women that you've come in contact with through your professional life, you're probably pretty well plugged in to the whole network of female entrepreneurs, are you not? Yes, You must know know quite a few. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) So based on that knowledge and that familiarity, what would you describe as being the plight or the situation of the female entrepreneur today? I wouldn't call it plight. (laughs) Um, There certainly are some challenges. A lot is talked about access to capital and especially as it relates to the equity side of the business. You know, getting a small business loan, there's great organizations nationally like Axion, special programs for both male and female entrepreneurs for microloans and whatnot where women start to come up into some hurdles more so is on the side of somebody looking for an equity investor. They have a scalable business. They need capital to get it launched or take it to the next level. And given that the majority of folks in the private equity markets, whether that's angel investing or venture capital are men, sometimes when a woman comes to market with a product, and again, we're going to assume it's scalable, but that you know, maybe is targeted at women. Um, I'll give you a pretty real example of something we ran into recently. There's a woman actually in the Bay Area, and she came up with a pretty interesting new concept for a breast pump. And no one's innovated in this space for a very long time. 
And she came up with a concept that was really, I guess you could take cutting edge in that industry segment. And it's a huge market. And you can imagine her going to pitch a lot of these traditional venture capital groups and a bunch of gentlemen sitting around the table going, ooh, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you kind of can get the, the picture, so to speak, of sometimes what folks are up against. So we've actually started an angel investment group training more women on how to potentially become angel investors themselves if they have the the capacity to do that. And then the more women we can get into these channels, as far as potentially funding, uh, the more likely a female founder is to raise that equity needed. Are we talking about equity requirements that are somewhere in the middle between like a giant venture and something that could be funded through crowdfunding channels? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. The area we focus on with Hera Angels is primarily really, truly what's in that known as that angel category. So it's early stage, seed stage, maybe a hundred to $200,000 type. Yes, definitely not the, the heavy VC, kind of what we, we all think about when we think about venture capital. Um, so yes, and typically individual investors as opposed to a fund. A lot of folks say angel money is personal money and venture capital is people using other people's money. So, yeah. The question of support networks has to be important. I'm sure that if I'm driving down Sand Hill Road and checking out all those big VC firms down in Palo Alto, I probably won't find a lot of women working in them. Do you or have you built valuable and extensive support networks of women who actually have money and influence and contacts who could help other women who, who pull them up into their ventures? Yes, absolutely. So we collaborate a lot with other female angel groups and VC groups. So we host an annual conference here in San Diego called the Hera Venture Summit. We bring in women from not only all over the U.S., but also Canada and Mexico who are female angel investors, and they run their own networks in a lot of cases. So we network within other networks, and there's a lot of really interesting platforms coming out, both on the training side, but also on the fund side. So, for example, the Rising Tide Fund is one that has come out where they'll take 100 or several hundred investors into a fund that are each putting in, you know, maybe just $5,000 or $10,000 and then build a fund from that. So obviously diversifying the risk, but allowing somebody to take maybe their first steps into becoming an angel investor. There's even an initiative out of Canada called SHEEO, and that is several hundred investors just putting in $1,000 each. And so some of the Reg A initiatives that have come out, Regulation A over the last couple of years with the JOBS Act, have started to kind of loosen up this market and allowed individual investors to come in as opposed to only accredited investors. Sounds like you're kind of creating a parallel universe, but I'm wondering if there's a point <laughs> at which you have to jump into the into the general mix in terms of forums in which to present your venture. I'm thinking of forums such as Keiretsu or Y Combinator, areas like that. I mean, are those still important places where a uh, even a, a woman uh, entrepreneur needs to be in order to get her venture some attention? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not suggesting to only play in certain pools, so to speak. It really is, of course, getting out there. But I can tell you over and over and over again, I've talked to female founders who have pitched 
at our events, they pitch to basically a female-focused audience, and the conversations are different, the questions are different, just the environment and just general feeling of what's going on in these events is quite, quite different. And so I think it's important for women to potentially, of course, explore both, but giving women that opportunity to just experience something different is also important. So you really think that the bro culture is an issue in tech today? Uh, Very much, yes. (laughs) I mean, in terms of just how they act and react and how they network with one another and the like. Yeah, and unfortunately, most situations are totally not that case, but it's still pervasive in some cultures. I mean, you hear about it even with the big boys and Google and Yelp and Airbnb and some of the things that are going on in these corporate cultures. There's still a, a lot of things happening there that we need to address if we're going to create an opportunity for everybody. What do you think are the qualities that make up a successful entrepreneur? So the qualities that I've seen over the last 14 years of my entrepreneurial journey are number one, tenacity, really that level of drive. I meet a lot of individuals who are what I call want entrepreneurs. They want to be an entrepreneur. They've watched Shark Tank constantly and are excited about bringing new ideas to market. But what a lot of folks don't realize, it is a ton of hard work. I always joke, entrepreneurs are the only people that leave a 40-hour-a-week job to work 80 hours a week. And so that tenacity, that that drive, that focus, and focus is a big one we talk a lot about because there are idea people out there and it's important, but especially in the early stages until you have the money to build a team around folks that can execute your idea, you really need to stay focused on what you're doing and executing something fully and seeing it through. And I think in our culture of quick fix and let's make money, you know, in four hours a week type of environment that we're in, a lot of people unfortunately kind of get sold in the hype, I guess, into entrepreneurship. So really, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad's a small business owner, still has the same business. He owns a retail floor covering business on the central coast of California. I mean, not not a glamorous business, but I was lucky to grow up in that environment where I saw my father work extremely hard, be very focused, and that's what I've been fortunate to be able to bring into my career as well. I understand that one of the pieces of advice you give to women is why they should put themselves first and let go of the so-called having it all mentality. What do you mean by that? Yeah, women are under a lot of pressure. I mean, I will say we juggle a lot, and I know that certainly some men do as well. But by and large, women are taking care of family. They're taking care of a lot of times parents and community, and they're involved in a lot of things. We say yes a lot. And so what we've been told over the years, of course, is we can have it all, we can do it all, and you meet a lot of women that are just exhausted, and they're really coming up against the fact that they may not be able to do it all, and that is okay. And so finding community and support has been the critical piece for a lot of the women in our community, and asking for help, and also saying no to things are so, so critically important for women as they're growing their business, saying no to clients, certain opportunities, volunteering, 
et cetera. If you want something done, often it's said, ask a woman to do it. And we do a lot. And so I do sort of like to say, lean out as opposed to lean in <laughs> a la Sheryl Sandberg and mm-hmm. pave your own path, but do that in a supportive community. Surround yourself with like-minded people to be able to sort of support you through that journey. It does seem like if you take any successful man in this business and you look deeply into his life and scratch below the surface, you find basically a wreck in terms of personal relationships, marriage, uh, parenting, and the like. Uh, Are you (laughs) suggesting that women should climb on board with that same model in order to be successful? No, no, not at all. No, I'm saying that we need to really look at what we're saying yes to. Women are very good at balancing a lot of things. We are natural multitaskers. It's just in our DNA. And so we tend to do that. Men are much more linear. It's step one to step two and much more compartmentalized in oftentimes how they approach life and in business. So no, I am not suggesting that women adopt a male approach, if you will, to managing their life. I'm suggesting women be women, but also learn how to say no to things and and balance and put their own priorities first, as opposed to always putting everybody else in front of them as far as priorities go. A lot of men in this business, very successful men, kind of like to wrap themselves in a kind of mythology about what rebels they are and how they bucked the system and how they dropped out of school and didn't play along with everybody else. And, and I guess another way of saying that is how much of a jerk they are in some ways. Um, <laughs> I, I hope you're saying, I guess you're saying that you don't have to be that as a woman. You don't have to be a jerk in order to make it in this world like so many of these guys seem to be. No, women are natural community builders. We're natural collaborators. And I'm just going to say it. I believe that as we get more women involved at higher levels of business, both on the corporate level and the entrepreneurial level, we have the possibility to change that tone from a competitive landscape. I mean, not to mention politics, but there's a lot of competitive nature going on right now. And so I truly believe that women being themselves and really truly being those connectors, collaborators can change the tone of that and have a ripple effect in business. Male or female, I want to get away from the gender discussion for a moment and just ask you if you feel there's something about, is there something about an entrepreneur, which you are, a serial entrepreneur that is different in quality from a professional manager? I mean, does there come a point where a serial entrepreneur gets restless, always wants to be creating something new, wants to move on, is not the kind of person who could sit and be the CEO of a company for life? Do you think that's true or am I exaggerating a little bit? Oh, I think it's completely true, Bob. I I mean, I say this a lot to people, you know, not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. And actually, most people are probably not meant to be entrepreneurs. That's what I talk a lot about in my book is the qualities and somebody who is restless, somebody who is always challenging themselves, looking for something new, not that complacent person, so to speak. And I'm not saying that a manager is complacent by any means, but somebody who is always coming up with new ideas is much more likely to find themselves in that entrepreneurial path as opposed to just going to work every day and doing the same thing. I think it's interesting. I meet so many people who are starting businesses and have nothing even close to a business degree. You talk about kind of the rebel drop out of school kind of thing. 
I'm not necessarily suggesting that, but with somebody who I have an MBA and I, I enjoyed getting my MBA, I enjoy education, but I will say nothing that I do in my business is anything I learned in my MBA program. Management programs teach you how to be managers, not entrepreneurs. And that is a big discussion at the college level these days. A lot of colleges trying to launch entrepreneurship programs, but they're trying to teach kids in a classroom sitting there reading textbook, which is not mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, frankly. And so we have a yeah. long way to go to groom some of these individuals who want to be entrepreneurs. What motivates you, Felina? What gets you going every day? My community. I mean, we have such amazing members that are doing just incredible things. They're building new ideas for their families, for their communities. They're giving back just to see the ecosystem of female entrepreneurship grow, not only here in the U.S., but also internationally. We're just starting to expand our concept, our co-working space slash business accelerator concept globally. So we'll be opening in Stockholm, Sweden here in a few months. And really, my vision is to create a global community of female entrepreneurs who truly understand collaboration and will, again, in hope, <laughs> ripple effect into other channels of business as well and bring much more of a, a collaborative approach to business. I believe there's a statement here that I can attribute to you. Tell me if I'm wrong. Women will be responsible for the next wave of prosperity in the U.S. Is that something you believe or is that more of an aspirational statement that we're really hoping is true? No, it's definitely something I believe, Bob. Absolutely. I mean, we're already seeing it happen. We're already seeing just so many new opportunities as there is a lot of support for female entrepreneurship by both professional organizations and workspaces and accelerators and whatnot. So I believe that wholeheartedly. Okay. Well, Felina, you are the author of a book called Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business. We will link to that book in our show notes, as well as the creator of Hera Hub, which sounds like an extremely successful shared workspace and community for female entrepreneurs. Felina, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show to talk about your ventures and your beliefs and the potential for women to enter this space and succeed in it. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. That was my conversation with author and marketing expert Felina Hansen, talking about how women can succeed as entrepreneurs. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.